third at Christmas? Well, we know nothing can possibly go wrong from there. Here on the Owls Americast, Jeffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. We took a little time off because it's the holidays, and also who really wants to discuss two listless performances ending in draws? Instead, today we will discuss two listless performances ending in wins. That's much better. Uh, I am drinking a snowbank from Wasatch Brewery in Salt Lake City. It is an amber lager. When the snow starts to pile up, it's time to reach for the delicious multi notes of snowbank amber lager. It is, of course, 5% ABV. It is a nice uh, crisp amber lager. There's not much to say beyond that. Hopefully we'll have more say about the Wednesday games, although not a whole lot more. And joining me to say a little bit about our favorite football team. In New England, it's our New England owl, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. Happy holidays to you and everybody that uh, tunes into this. Uh, I, I will say, uh, starting this pot off with third at Christmas, what could go wrong? It's yeah. a tough, uh, tough intro, man. Uh, we, we got through Boxing Day without that nonsense. They did have so, a chance so we'll to go top it. in there, as they so often do. It was one of the uh, guys. I don't remember which one. Yeah, that's all right. Again, not not giving up two last-second goals at Stoke on Boxing Day, which torpedoes the entire season. Uh, as long as we avoided that. Like they I'm, just had a striker injured right before Christmas, too. That's very important. Oh, geez, Jeff, shh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I actually have kind of a special uh, drink tonight. Uh, shout out to my uh, brother-in-law, my wife's sister's husband. Uh, uh, him and her are... Uh, Two of the people that help run Wolf Hollow Brewing Company in, uh, uh, I believe it's in New Amsterdam, New York. It's a small town outside of Schenectady, Albany area. They do a great job. They've been working on beer for a long time. Um, really nice spot if you're ever up in that area. I believe it's right off of uh, Route 5, exit 28B, something like that. Uh, you get up there, but it, it's look them up. Wolf Hollow, they make a lot of stuff. This is their camp out stout. It's a nitro stout in which you shake the can before pouring it, which is always enjoyable. But it's uh, it's good. It's sort of a typical stout, but it's got a nice little smoky flavor to it that uh, he added, I'm, I'm sure, to give it that camp out. Um, it's not that bad, 4.5% ABB. So um, and it goes down pretty smooth. I may end up having a second one tonight. We do have a lot of matches to get through. So we will review some matches. We have four matches to talk about in, in various levels of detail. <laughs> Cover the Wednesday news and preview the upcoming fixture against Cambridge United. You may uh, suspect this is our 200th episode. It is not our 200th episode. This is episode 199B. We'll be doing episode 200. We actually have people in country to... <laughs> to record probably sometime next week it's episode 199b and we'll start with uh we're just gonna i'm gonna bundle oxford and exeter here they're two very similar viewing experiences for me uh this is a busy time of year for me from a writing standpoint uh it's also finals for my wife so we're very busy on the weekends and the kid can be a little a little feisty in the mornings after breakfast and stuff like that uh, she'll usually settle to watch Wednesday for a little bit here and there, but uh, both these matches around the 85 minute mark or so, I'm like, well, nothing's going to happen from here. I'll just take the kid for a drive and we'll go somewhere else and see if we can calm her down a little bit. And 
of course, against Exeter, I missed a very lovely finish from Callum Patterson. Just really root one football and just rolled it into the into the bottom corner past the keeper to to steal a point there. And then Oxford, which might have even been a duller game, in all honesty. Wednesday, I consider a late penalty. Mark McGinnis, who has been, you know, you can literally name pretty much, I think, every foot he's put wrong this year because you can basically count them on one hand. As he did a penalty, and uh, Cameron Dawson did a nice job preserving a point in that one. So could have easily been uh, zero from two and said it's two from two, Justin. I don't think we need to spend any more time on these matches ever again. No, I was not. Um, the only thing that really bothered me with the uh, Oxford game, I just really didn't like some of the the tactics and the mm-hmm. changes that went on. We started, we were doing sort of that four four two, and it wasn't working. And we had Fizz was our deepest line midfielder when he came in, and that's not where he does good. And you know, yeah, again, God, God bless Mark McGinnis for. Uh, <laughs> making a uh, stop. I, I have a feeling his name's going to come up when we talk about few the more times, yeah. player of the month. Yeah. But yeah, let it, let us move on from those two <laughs> points, which keep our undefeated streak going and uh, look at six points. Yeah. So Fleetwood at the weekend, I really do not remember much of this game. This one, I actually got on a little late because the kid was again being feisty on Saturday morning. So I missed, I think, both the first two goals. I think I tuned in around 20 minutes or so. But this was just, I remember watching this game and thinking, so they had Byers back in the squad. It was Byers, Bannon, and Backinson in the midfield, I think, on uh, on Saturday, if I recall correctly. And, Byers back. Yes. And I know Byers is obviously coming off a knock. He's missed some time. And he'll need some time to get up to match fitness and everything. And he looked, I thought he looked uh, excellent in the Port Vale game. But I remember watching this game and thinking, when you've got Byers, Bannon, and Backinson at this level, they should just be dominating every team in the midfield. And they really had trouble keeping possession and getting control of this game. I think this was true in the Oxford game as well. I thought, like... And I know it's a little different when you're on the road and these teams might set up to play a little more, but Wednesday was really having trouble getting a foot into the game, uh, especially in the midfield. And that, that should not be happening with this, with this midfield grouping, really any of the midfield groupings, but. Yeah, I was excited to see that, that group. Um, I, I've liked Backinson as, uh, you know, either a deeper line guy or, you know, somebody who can kind of go box to box. He was fucking invisible um and the fact that you're, you're right the fact that we had that midfield and we couldn't do anything with it um they bypassed uh bypassed the midfield uh completely it was uh you know that, that was how we finally started to make it work but it was just such a disappointing performance to see uh out of that group um i i i thought fleetwood cause problems with they play a little bit i'll give them credit they did play, play a bit, yeah well well their goal their goal was an excellently worked team goal. Yeah. like you, you had to give a lot of credit for that and they were very very frenetic mm-hmm. um really just and, and i think that chaos 
caused us some trouble in the midfield, but we have guys who should be able this to put was their true. foot This on was true the in the early in the second half in the Port Vale game, too, I thought. It was the same kind of issues once they decided to... I don't know why they didn't just like set up with those. Why didn't they start with the subs and playing like that? I get that you're going to Hillsborough and you probably want to play a little tighter, and then you, you give up the, the world's dumbest penalty, and then you have to mix things up. Then you just try to get to halftime, and then you try to mix things up. So I, I, I get it from that that standpoint but yeah Wednesday's looked a little bit like you can get to them and look it's a it's a makeshift back line right now and honestly I thought I mean McGinnis was great in both these games um I thought I thought I, th- I found Reese James and Liam Palmer like obviously not really they both have experience playing in in a center back three but I thought they've both been really good as well the problem is we saw there was there was one moment uh or a couple of moments in the Port Vale game where like there's one on one of their more dangerous attacks when McGinnis made that last second uh, tackle to clean up the square ball where they play a cross field ball switch play and like Alex Mighton is not even in the screen, not nowhere on screen basically with the, uh, with the winger like storming into Wednesday's half. And then there was one later and like, look, Mar- Marvin Johnson, you're playing Marvin Johnson because of his, ability to get down the wing attack put in through balls and just be an absolute menace for opposing fullbacks he's not a very good defender and he got undressed a couple times uh, against port vale too so there is a little bit of a makeshift back line but really they're not they're not conceding goals i think a lot of that goes to just mark mcginnis doing everything else that he needs to do back there to sort of marshal the back line and win every header and just get in the way I do do all of that. Yeah, no. I, James has James has been uh, James has been better. Um, I, I thought he was very good uh, today. Um, I don't know if we're moving on to that quite yet. I, I do want to say I thought it was pretty pretty ironic to see Fleetwood Town behave exactly like their last two managers between mm-hmm. Joey Barton and Scott Brown, which is run around like absolute maniacs on the edge of. You know, a very thin line of yeah. legality. Um, we can we can talk about when, the red card in a second because there's a, there's a lot to talk about there. But we should mention the actual the actual winner for Wednesday, which was just an absolutely lovely, you know, chest down half volley from Marvin Johnson. Now he didn't even hit it; like he didn't really put his laces through it. He just hit a little like twelve to six curveball right in the bottom corner, and the keeper I keeper saw it late. So there was a lot of traffic. It was off a corner kick. And he was also coming back after coming back uh, off a punch that didn't punch it as far as he probably should have, but just an absolutely lovely finish. And uh, Rob and John mentioned this on the broadcast today after the, I think I don't remember, I remember it was probably after the Michael Smith goal. We don't get a lot of tap-ins for a team that no. scores a fair amount of goals. <laughs> no, um, I thought johnson changed that i was surprised there was not much talk about it the way that it no, he didn't like he was i think he was trying came. to hit it like a little bit on the outside like he was trying to yeah. kind of like knuckle it a little bit i thought i don't think he like shinned it or anything i know what you're saying it did look a little odd but it also kind of looked like he was trying to do that so it's always tough to tell yeah no i i i didn't care though no it doesn't really matter <laughs> it went in we, we we needed that um and again that was a, a very annoying team to yep. to play against um I'm, I'm glad we we got through them and like i said very very much a, a picture of their uh of their 
two uh, most recent managers. Of course, then a few minutes later, uh, Marvin Johnson again, uh, as we said, driving up the up the left channel. Uh, look, I, I think there. Look, I looked the replay. I think there's contact there, right? Sure. I do think he. Cl- I sure. do think he get like he, he's pulling out, but I do think he gets them. And Marvin Johnson is looking for it. And you know, obviously, at that point in the game, you want to you want to get a free kick, right? You want to stall some time out, even if you can get by him. Like it's, it's good. And maybe you know he's on a yellow card. Maybe you don't. You know, I don't know if you know who's on your who's like coming up on your side there. But he goes to ground, makes a meal of it, gets something. The ref blows immediately and had a very good line on it. Uh, sends a second yellow, and then it all kicked, it all came before the yellow card came out. It all kicked off. Well, I I didn't blame him for I didn't blame him for being pissed uh, that that Johnson went down. I, I thought that was very soft. Um, sure, I mean it's, this is this is, 20, I, this is at least for a few more days. Twenty twenty two football, contact. like yeah. This wasn't. Did you see it's, the Neymar when he got sent off for diving? The clip of that for PSG no. at the weekend. Yeah, it's not it's not like that level by any stretch of the imagination. There's contact there. Well, and, you know, I mean, it's not like Johnson did the the thing where he and gets he's contact not on his really, feet, you know, so his head snaps back. Yeah, but he's not he, really he, a he's not a flopper either. Generally speaking, like he's usually driving by driving through tackles and trying. He just it's situational awareness. It's game management, like anything else. It's the sure, David. It's all. It's that. the David I, Stockdale I effect. Yeah, I I understood why Rooney was pissed, but yeah. then God well, <laughs> damn, did he lose his mind? Yeah, like uh, I I'm still not sure. Was he? I think he was going for the fourth official originally, which I, I don't I think know why so. And then Stockdale the got in official. there at some point because maybe he was just having a little dig. He seems like a guy would have a little dig on the sideline. Uh, I think well, at some point shoving Darren Moore, he puts his like, hands on. I mean, he's going to eat a pretty long ban. I haven't seen if they've actually decided yet, but yeah, because he puts his hands on the opposing manager, that's gonna that's gonna see you some some time on the bench. He's going to get a nice. Uh, Christmas, New Year's, Three Kings Day, Valentine's Day, President's Day off. In all, in all likelihood, I mean, maybe it's League One. Maybe it'll just be five games and be done with it. But also, just for the record, Darren Moore, not the manager in that division, any division really that I'd want to square up to. <laughs> no, he's a he's a large man. I yeah. mean, Ro- Rooney's a pretty big boy. He but, is, but yeah, just just to watch the absolute. And I get it. You're mad that. You know, Johnson, you know, yeah, sold it did, a little yeah, bit. Right. And you're mad that you're out of the game. And, you know, Rooney had had a pretty good game uh, yeah. uh, up until that point. Um, he, he looks like a right player. But but you can see it, uh, too, with him. He's he's steaming in. Like, he's not even trying yeah. to. Yeah. He put himself in a situation where that can, where, you know, you, you make the referee make a decision, right? That's the that's the whole idea. So. Um, and yeah, boy, uh, just lost the plot. I don't know what he was going to do with the fourth official. No, Hilarious. Either. If you rewatch that, you see him just slide on out of there yeah. as soon as, uh, Moore had him blocked off. And, and I'm, I'm sure Stockdale's yeah, absolutely Stockdale brutal was like, to deal yeah. with. I mean, Stockdale's you know, a big but, dude too, to be fair, but yeah, I wouldn't, uh, no. And that, you know, honestly, and that's, you know, that was, that was the game. And, and I'm sure that was part of the reason Rooney was was uh, pissed too is, is you're not from that losing position you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna catch back up down a man uh, when Wednesday's just just has a little too much talent on you um, for them to be able to do it so a 2-1 win at Fleetwood and now home to Port Vale today a large Owls Americas contingent there the flag 
down on the corner of the south stand and the cop or the north it's the north stand technically i think i can never actually get my cardinal directions to hillsborough right even after all these years but uh I think that's the South Stand. All right, it's one of it's either the South Stand or the it's North one Stand. One or the other. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and uh, they were treat, uh, treated is probably a little bit of a strong word. But the first half hour was pretty good. It was sort of a classic Wednesday performance with not a lot of uh, cutting edge in the final third. But they pretty much controlled the game more or less. Barry Bannon pulling the strings. I thought the you, know, you got those sort of deep center back runs from. Reese James and, and Liam Palmer that caused trouble and just never, never really fashioned a chance though until the penalty. Which this <laughs> Wednesday do not get a lot of penalties to begin with, but getting one where I don't think there's a Wednesday player within ten yards of the ball. <laughs> oh, it was and hilarious. The Portville he just misses a header and it rolls down his arm or bounces back up on his arm basically, and the, yeah, the, the ref just like, well, I I, I got to give it the rule. The rule here in the box. The rule. It's a rule. No, and you can hear it was pretty funny when you when you watch back on the highlights. You can hear the the two noises from the crowd when it hits, and they all see. They all go what? And then they see the ref boy, and they go yeah. And you go okay, there it is. So um, yeah, hey, you know what? We'll, we'll take it. I'm I'm not totally sure they deserved that. We uh, there's a joke in hockey uh, when you can kind of control the game and dominate, but you can't put the ball, the puck in the back mm. of the net and you say somebody's uh, all Swedish, but no finish. <laughs> um, and, and that was Wednesday. I thought today they, they completely controlled play, uh, especially from about the, the 15th minute on for the first half, just totally dominated controlled play. Uh, did a nice job of, you know, recycling of keeping pressure up of getting turnovers. I mean, Port Vale couldn't do anything. They, yeah. They looked virtually useless aside from one or two uh, counters, uh, but we couldn't, we did not challenge our keeper in the slightest, you know, balls in the box came floating in and either missed everybody or went right to the keeper. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was not great. It was, it was a strange performance. We, we were up at 70% possession at one point mm-hmm. with, and I think they were out shooting us. You know, so one of those things. I will say, though, Smith's penalty, another fucking beauty. Yeah. The guy just hammers him home. Get him in the England squad. Could have used him. Yeah. Is that too soon? I don't even know. <laughs> Do we care? We yeah, don't. Um, Somebody in the WhatsApp yeah. group uh, asked me not to pick England for the... <laughs> Is that Demi? It was Demi, yeah. I'm like, well, I know yeah. about that now, I guess. No worries about that, my friend. And then the second um, half was like, I don't know, Port Vale made some stuff. And like, you have to, we should mention Barry Bannon went out about the like, 35 minute mark or so with a, what looks like a hamstring reoccurrence of some sort, which is troubling. Um, you know, and I, Will Vox came on and Will Vox is a, you know, he's a tidy player, right? He's not going to offer what Bannon does, but I thought he he did fine dropping in, and I thought he did some nice job breaking up play a little bit. But I think you really, when they were starting to lose a little control of the game in the second half, they didn't have that outlet in midfield to try to calm things down and do like four Cruyff turns and then slide it out to the <laughs> wing backs to just kind of break some of the pressure. And I think you saw Well, that. just put the foot on the ball, right? Right. Slow, settle things down. Um, 
Yeah, no, it, they, they made a sub. They brought in that guy Robinson, who mm. was Christ, was he annoying? Uh, <laughs> just running around, kicking everybody, uh, running through everybody. Uh, you know, but he he really brought some speed and caused some trouble uh, down that side. That that first fifteen minutes was. Uh, I thought they really looked like they were uh, they were back in the game and they were causing some trouble, but uh, it seemed to settle down a little bit after that. And really, Wednesday didn't fashion a chance until the the Michael Smith goal, and it was just a little bit of individual brilliance. It reminded me a little bit of uh, New Hughes' first goal against QPR. It was this big, slow striker oh, big like knocking it around yeah. at his feet for a little bit and creating a space and just curling it into the corner. It was a it was a lovely goal. I thought he had a good game overall, although <laughs> there were a couple moments. There were a few moments, and they were they were just straight up Greco Roman wrestling Michael Smith every chance they got, every ball over the top, anything to, and really never got called for it. Smith and Patterson up front, it's not a really pacey pattern uh, striker pairing, and I think they did. There was one where like. Patterson kind of clicked it off his heels twice and knocked it into space and just couldn't outrun the center back to the ball, basically, to fashion a chance. And they really, like, they need to find... I know Windass has picked up a knock again. They don't... They signed, like, seven strikers and we're sitting here, right, going to the transfer. Like, they need another striker in the window, probably, depending on what the Gregory injury turns out to be, but it is a bit of a mess. I mean, they keep scoring goals. They score enough goals. They have the best, or I think the second best defensive record in the in League One this year. So, for all our quibbling, um, they haven't. They're unbeaten in twelve games. Uh, they're level. Yeah. On, they're level on on points for second. They're literally only third on goals scored because they're even on goal difference with Ipswich at this point. Too. Ipswich is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. They still have um, a few, and their schedule starts to get. I mean. I think their schedule starts to get a little trickier. Like Port Vale could have gone into a playoff position with a win today. That's the the quality. They of the were fucking we're horrible with. though. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't I understand know. that. Credit to their crowd though. Um, they they brought they did, a they brought a nice crowd. Yeah. to travel. Um, I did laugh. Somebody on Twitter uh, pointed out that Port Vale fan said, "Oh, sick of hearing how Wednesday say they're a big club and still a famous club or whatever." And somebody pointed out. Well, your largest home match of the season was when Wednesday came to town. Your largest away match of the season <laughs> yeah. is when you went to Wednesday. So, you know, Port Vale can shove it. But, yeah, I, I was very, very unimpressed with them, considering that, as you pointed out, you know, they're they're right there. I, I think what has everybody worried is that it's that fine line of where you want to be able to bank points mm-hmm. right like that's what good teams do like you right. play like shit and you get a 93rd minute fucking scraper from callum patterson to steal mm-hmm. a point or you really look discombobulated and can't put things together but somehow pop two goals and and beat uh you know 17th place team or whatever so there's a lot to like about you know going forward that so, uh, yeah. we're winning these games but it's also very understandable when people see these performances that we've had uh you know obviously the hyperbole is out people go i don't remember the last time that was a good performance you know and it's like well have you watched this season we've had several games of of really good football but it it does feel like it's been a little while um since that's happened so it's 
it's understandable that people are are getting a little bit agitated despite a 12 13 game unbeaten streak or whatever it is we'll, we'll turn our attention forward take a break come back over the wednesday news and preview the upcoming cambridge fixture Now it's time for some Wednesday news, and we have some injury updates to get through. As mentioned in the match recast, Barry Bannon left the game with some sort of injury. Uh, this this is we don't know. Darren Moore doesn't know. This is Darren Moore's uh, post game quote on the Barry Bannon injury. I don't even know if it's a recurrence of his injury or whether it's a different one. I've not seen him, and my head's totally been in the game on getting three points. I've not even spoken to the medical teams. We don't know whether it is ankle, thigh, hamstring. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> All right, I mean, that's the two songs, right? Yeah. Head and shoulders, knees and toes, yeah. and then the thigh bone connected to the, like, well, hopefully, I hope it's nothing too serious. I mean, he's obviously been carrying a, a couple different knocks. I I wouldn't mind finding some time and some games to just give him the night off. Um, yeah, I mean, they could rotate right him out. You would for hate the, to force him in for the right? FA and, Cup and game him. too. So you can you can sneak a couple weeks here without really. Uh, they should be able to handle Cambridge, you would think, uh, without him. But uh, when we discuss that, I will agree with that. Affirmative. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't want to see him anywhere near that. If he. I, I totally understand if he needs to get up for Newcastle and wants to give it a whirl and he's your captain. And if he's feeling fit and he says he's good to go, you get him out there and that's the dice you roll. But, I, you know, we, we don't really need that game. And, mm-hmm. and we do need Barry Bannon in, you know, late January, February, March uh, as, as we're trying to move up because – Man, we've talked about it over and over again, but there is one thing that matters this year, and it's getting the fuck out of this league. To that end, Wednesday have rotated their first-choice goalkeeper the last few matches, at least since we last recorded. Cameron Dawson has been between the sticks the last few games. That doesn't seem to be any indication of a David Stockdale injury, as far as we can tell. No, and, and he certainly Stockdale's... looked ready to go against Rooney in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, game. he's lively. Yeah. He's lively. Um, no, and it was nice. It was the scene when when Dawson saved that mm-hmm. late penalty. The uh, was that Oxford, Exeter. I, I forget. Oxford, I think uh, one one of those shit games. Um, you know, Stockdale was you know one of the first guys after the game to really you know compliment him and to to do him. So it looks like they have a nice. A nice tandem going, um, which is appreciated, and and I'm glad that Cam's getting a run out. Um, I think his form has been a little bit mixed over these three four games. Time. I mean, the the big difference. He's still a very good shot stopper. There's between him and Stockdale and distribution. I think especially is uh, especially been notable, yeah. notable the last few games. But yeah, I, but I don't think he's been bad in those no, situations. Bad. Certainly. Um, so I, I'm okay with, with rotating through, but it, I, I really feel like Stockdale's got to be your guy. When, when you know you want to win that game and you want three points, um, yeah. I think Stockdale's the guy between the sticks. Um, but it, I, I'm super fascinated to know what 
this is because Dawson played not at all yeah. all year. <laughs> and then suddenly he's got three in a row um, with no word on what's going on. So We do have word on Lee Gregory who missed out against Port Vale. Back spasms. Something that notoriously gets better in your 30s, as uh, both Justin and I can attest. Yeah, actually, uh, not to totally sidetrack, although I am now well into my second beer, but mm. uh, I figured out how to solve most of my back problems when I was in my late 30s. Mm. Um, I can so imagine. for the most part, I have avoided those, but yes. Uh, and it's something that's legal in Massachusetts and not so much in Utah? <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, that's, that's not what led to the saving the back, but mm. uh, that helps with a lot of other uh, ailments, if you will. Uh, but no, it, it's, it sucks because, uh, I actually thought earlier this year, I complained that I didn't think Smith and Gregory was a great partnership. Um, and I kind of felt like we've seen some glimpses of them playing well together. And then the first 20 minutes of that game before Gregory went out, they look great together. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, that's another guy, man. Let's, let's wrap them in some bubble tape. Let's, yeah, it's one of those situations let's take care of him, just like keep him. Keep him you know, close. He's, an, he's an older striker. He's had had some fitness issues last year as well. Obviously, he missed a chunk of time that arguably cost Wednesday automatic promotion. So they have more striker mm. depth this year, I think. And you know, Smith Smith's been uneven. I think some of it is like I watch these games and I wonder, like, are we really giving him worse service than Rotherham last year? But it seems like it's possible. So here we are. Yeah, it's yeah. I guess I'm not. I, I feel like Smith does very well when he's on the ball. Like when you, you make that point, right? Like when you get him the service, I mean, yeah, he, he was asked play. to play yeah. a little more. I mean, he was still doing little runs to the channel here and there, but he was playing more of a traditional number nine role with Patterson making those runs. And Patterson might be lower, uh, slower than Smith. So didn't always come off. Yes. I do though. The last yeah. game, like Patterson, I know there's a lot, not a lot of end product. But I won't have to deal with Patty because he's not going to be on the podcast all year. But I, I appreciate the effort he puts in uh, every uh, every shift that he puts in. And I, 100%. Do, I did like, uh, I know he didn't know this at the time. Uh, if Wednesday had scored a third goal, they would have gone ahead. They would have gone into second on goal difference because they're, they're even on goal difference now. And whatever, you're just trying to see out the match. But there was a moment towards the end where Patterson like almost made the same kind of like cut inside run that Michael Smith did to like set up the shot. And his just like ballooned into the Port Vale end, <laughs> like high and wide. It was like, yeah, good effort. I still try to go for it. Man. That's, that's what uh horse brings a lot to yeah. the locker room and uh, brings a lot of effort to the field. But uh, yeah, I, you know, we, we've got to, we've got to have a better, striker than him if we want to win yeah. these games i think i would almost so get, see... get well grego yeah i would almost rather see mighton in that role but i guess they need him at uh right wing back right now <laughs> which is not doing him any yeah. favors yeah no we love no. taking a promising young player on loan from a premier league team and playing them <laughs> at wing back because we cannot keep our center backs healthy over the course of the season Oh, like we all, we got all the, we got all this wing back fullback depth this year, you know Palmer, James, Hunt, Johnson, and then it's like yeah, uh, well most of them are playing in a center back three with Mark McGinnis because literally no other center back is healthy. I don't know if we need anybody else, and if we got McGinnis, yeah, fair enough. 
figuring out all these tactics and just finishing up his 100th match in charge of Sheffield Wednesday is Darren Moore. It feels like 100 matches. His first one since Carlos, obviously. Um, in between, it kind of felt like, what's it, the the year of Everybody the Everybody had like 15. The year of the four emperors or whatever in Rome. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we, we, I don't we know my Roman Bruce, history that well, but yeah. Bruce, Monk, Pulis. Oh, don't, uh, don't forget. Uh, Freely, uh, Bollins. <laughs> oh, just... Yeah, no, listen, I, I continue to have some some issues with Moore as a tactician, which I think he passes that off to other guys. And mm-hmm. Maybe it's them that I actually have the issue with. But, you know, he tremendously rolled the dice on this club. Who the fuck joins a club in free fall about to be relegated, knowing mm-hmm. that even if they get relegated, you can just wait till the offseason and start fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, without all the baggage of, of yeah. being there when they go down. He came up, did that, and granted it's in a farmer's league, but he has put us you know, in automatic promotion territory in back-to-back seasons while doing some excellent recruiting and keeping the vibe around the club, the fans, minus that vocal minority of... Uh, people who just aren't going to be happy mm-hmm. um and and obviously the results on the field speak for themselves so i i mean this has been again i i don't know what the future brings and i don't know what i want in the future but uh, there's almost no chance i'm not going to look back fondly on what darren moore has brought to this club you know yeah. even if things go to shit he has the best winning percentage of a of any Wednesday manager since Harry Katerik from August, who managed from August 1958 to April 1961. Oof. Better I'd win be percentage honest, than I didn't, I didn't Wilco, that, better uh... win percentage than Ron Atkinson, Trevor Francis. I know, different league. I, I accept that. Better win percentage sure, than Gary Megson, but... who was in this league. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I mean... It's impressive. Again, we we've it has gone, not been we the prettiest about football, it when we yeah. went down. No, it's been good at times, but you know, again, it's there's a lot of people that are just hard to please. You know, you, they scream that they want wins. More brings men wins. They want it to be pretty. You know, it's the point is again, number one focus: get the fuck out of this league. And, yeah. and Darren Moore has for two straight years put us on a really good path to getting out of this league. So. Cheers, Darren. Um, you know, and again, uh, always nice to have, uh, you know, I mentioned before when we hired him, I, I appreciate having some representation, uh, I think. Um, kids growing up in Sheffield of, of African descent or, you know, from there can look or Jamaican can look and see somebody who they can emulate it. You know, they can see somebody being that successful um who looks like them who sounds like them who who comes from them and you know frankly from everything we hear too he's the nicest person on the planet yep. uh, despite being the size of a dumpster <laughs> again though i wouldn't square up to him yeah. no no um, you, you make some decisions but yeah huh? yeah cheers cheers darren moore this has been a a really enjoyable 100 games uh, if, if we get 100 more i think that means things are going to going pretty well 
It is the end of December. We had our last match of the month. We actually, uh, an occasionally recurring feature on this podcast, when we remember to discuss who should be Wednesday Player of the Month before they vote on Wednesday Player of the Month. Uh, it just comes back to the old adage, don't fall in love with lone players. <laughs> but Mark McGinnis Especially lone was... center backs, I feel like. I mean, There's like a little yeah. bit of Michael Hector in him, right? Oh man, I and and he never just he should have stayed. He should have yeah. stayed. It was a weird situation uh, yeah, my, with Chelsea and the transfer ban and everything. They had thirty-seven players out on loan at any given time. Yeah. No, but uh, we. I gotta. I gotta say, I. I think that the player of the month is by far and away Mark McInnes. Yeah. This month he has he has turned himself into the first name on the team sheet and. Just an absolute rock back there. I remember near the beginning of the year doing a pod and just all of us kind of being amazed at how composed he was mm-hmm. for such a youngster. Um, and that just continues. He's he's an absolute leader on that pitch. Um, you know, he, he clears everything out of the air. He, he rarely makes mistakes. He sees the game well. I assume he's doing a lot of uh, marshalling of the defense and – you know, it's nice when you have some veterans like like Liam Palmer back there to help mm-hmm. you out. Or, you know, I think Reese James, as I said, has played very well the last couple of games. But McGinnis is the man in the middle of all of it. When yeah. every other actual center back on this team is hurt, we we remain undefeated through a month. And, and I think McGinnis deserves a large bit of credit for that. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, not the most... Uh... Exciting month from a fixer standpoint. Not a lot of goals in these games, really. Um, no really standout performances in midfield. There's been a fair amount of rotation there. I thought uh, Marvin Johnson's had a pretty good month. I will say that as the first other name yeah. that, that came to mind. But And he started kind of slow this year. We were waiting he for did, him yep. to get back into his... Uh, uh, I, almost, I almost made a terrible pun and get his Marv Joe back, but... <laughs> You uh, there? He made the terrible pun. Did, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's nice to nice to see he he's been back in form, and and that that's really helped us, obviously, with him assisting and scoring goals when he can. But I I couldn't think of you know anybody else that has been consistently there yeah. all month. Again, uh, there's been the injuries, level that so there does. haven't really been. Uh injuries guys playing out of position guys coming back from injury like yeah the usual the usual mid-season sheffield wednesday (laughs) malaise i've been here before (laughs) we should note they did there was a minute's round of applause before the game to to commemorate uh, out of respect really for the passing of palais I mean, what else? Obviously, the picture of him at Hillsborough playing for Santos is is going around uh, on Twitter and and elsewhere as well. And that is, uh, you know, it's a reminder that Wednesday used to have a a huge place in in football history and football lore. You know, there's a big club, and going back to the days of uh, Harry Katerik or whatever it was. Really, I think he, I think he was manager for one of those. Uh, I mean, it was 62. He was manager of one of those friendlies or whatever it was. But yeah, just a, you know, just a giant of the game. Obviously, they've uh, we've lost him and, and Diego Maradona in the last few years. And there's a great... Uh, I thought Ray Ratto wrote a really good piece on him at, at Defector today. 
and there's been another there's another one going around that was just uh i saw somebody tweet it out i wish i could find it it was just an amazing uh encapsulation of of what he was on the on the football pitch and like you can you know you can look at other historically great players right george best garincha eusebio you know more recent ones like you know messi and ronaldo obviously well maradona maradona yes just stefano whoever right right but it's all it's it's always it's like one of those things where there's no argument right it's just it's not even like a hipster pick it's play yeah i mean i i i would say there's an argument for you know if you just wanted to say like best or whatever but i mean he's the he's the standard right he right. was the global icon before jordan he was yes. the you know he he was everything that all great players are judged against to this day and that's you'll never be able to take away from that we were talking about, and, and as uh, you mentioned this yeah. a great photo yes we were talking about uh you know who's like he's like known worldwide right he has this kind of just penetration across anyone like you could ask your mom and she would know who Pelé was right They're like they everybody knows that who Pelé is of, yeah in a way that I don't um, think is true for Maradona. Or... This man literally stops wars because they were so excited to see him. So, yeah. Uh, and it is really cool. The, you know, I, I think all Wednesday fans have, you know, when you grow up in Sheffield or rooting for this team, whether yeah. you were at that game or you came upon the team a little later in life, as most of us Americans did, you still know and feel and understand that there's a we feel like we had a bit of a connection yeah. Yeah. with him. Um and you know, I think you saw that by the reaction of the crowd today too. Yeah. It was a very nice I was very happy it was applause, not silence. Because silence is fine to ponder and think. Mm-hmm. Uh applause is is appreciating the work of a genius. Speaking of the work of a genius, we have a match preview. <laughs> Take it away, Justin. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the World Cup, but no, that's all no, good. We can do that uh, in other business. <laughs> I did have that on the agenda, yes. That's all right. Uh, so we beat uh, we beat Cambridge 2-0 behind a Lee Gregory brace uh, in mid-October, which I'm pretty sure a friend of the pod, Tina, called before the game 2-0 with a Gregory brace, so... Uh, if I recall that, uh, things are not looking great for Cambridge. They're sitting in 19th, uh, dash 12 on the goal difference. And uh, they're even worse on the road. They're 23rd in, in away record with only seven points, uh, one point ahead of uh, whoever's last. Um, their form, uh, well, also not very good. Uh, they are 20th in the form table as I'm looking at it. And uh, that's reading. They had a loss and a draw. Two losses, then a draw, though they did win their last game. Um, if you guys remember, this is the dumbest uh, nickname in uh, League One. They are the U's, uh, as in the letter Justin, U. Is that, um, is that worse than the Ultras Decade? Uh, 
Yeah, because I wouldn't call them the Ultras de Cod. Well, but... there was a banner going. There was a banner in the uh, in the stadium, in like you know one of the flags that said Ultras de Cod. Which, like, yeah, I, I... the thing that's hilarious to me <laughs> is like you would think that some well tanned. I'm going to say well tanned, well sunburned, probably burnt to a crisp. <laughs> uh, Fleetwoodian. I don't even know what you would, you would. Uh, I guess it's a Lancashireian. In you know, on a holiday in Spain, would know that the word for cod in Spanish is bacalao. So it would be ultras de bacalao. If you're going to uh, instead of ultras de, and that sounds better than ultras de cod. In all honesty, no, because their nickname is actually the Cod Army, which uh-huh. is. As kind of silly as that is, it's got like yeah, yeah, a little it's bit a, of a ring to it. The U's, I just, I, I'm not feeling it. Um, they were uh, formed in 1912. They were Abbey United. They became Cambridge United in the 50s. They got up to the EFL in the 70s. They have actually played in the championship in a second division team, um, but fell out of the league in 2005 and worked their way back up in rather exciting fashion. Uh in 2014 their their coach just a quick reminder is mark bonner who is a very cool story because his first job in football was as the under nines academy coach at cambridge um in 2011 and it only took him uh seven years to join the first team staff and nine years to be the manager of the club um when they were in league two they played some pretty exciting football he used a basic 4-3-3 uh, but when they got up to League One, he very wisely has been pragmatic and tends to be a, a four five one. Um, they are not great and they haven't been playing well recently. Um, and all of you should remember that, uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm hoping you can pull it out here. They have the, in my opinion, greatest uh, League One name for their striker. Oh, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's very, uh, I don't remember it offhand, but it is very legal. It's Joe Ironside. Yes. Yes, very good. Joe Ironside, who plays exactly as you would expect Joe Ironside to do. Um, problem for them, too, in addition to all the other stuff they got going on. Uh, Adam May was one of their uh, central defensive midfielders and maybe one of the best players on their team. Did his ACL, he's done for the year. And they're... Uh, Kind of their stud center back, uh, Lloyd Jones, uh, injured himself on Boxing Day, and he will be out. And I believe uh, their other defensive midfielder, Paul Digby, is going to be out as well from a Boxing Day injury. So this is, uh, they are ripe for the killing, despite our, uh, you know, lack of form and you know, uh, injury list ourselves. So there's absolutely no reason for us to not uh, get this team in Hillsborough, put them to the sword early and, and walk away with a nice, um, well, I'll, uh, I'll quote Hillsborough Owl, uh, nice 36 nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what is that game? Monday? Monday the second? Monday, yeah, it's weird. It's Monday, yeah. We do have any other business. The World Cup, uh, a lot of the World Cup happened <laughs> since we've last recorded, including the final with Argentina winning. I, one of the, I, look, I know that you can, you can nitpick, right? Whether, whether the best game of football ever played, it was an amazing game of football, right? It's certainly in the conversation for, it's probably the best World Cup final ever, probably in the best conversation, in the conversation for best World Cup game ever, in all honesty. And, 
incredibly dramatic, uh, some absolutely wild individual performances, and people were complaining that it ended on on penalty kicks, and I get that. It's like, you know, it's the World Cup final, I played 120 minutes, but I think there's a certain kind of like pathos that comes with that, right? What added to the drama in the story, yeah, yeah. right? Especially with those. Um, so again, now that beer number two has finished, I'll diverge slightly to tell you my tale. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, the uh, the game starts at 10 o'clock. Uh, and Lucky my you. daughter, yeah, well, my uh, my daughter had a hockey game uh, and I coach her team. And the game started at uh, 11 o'clock and it was an hour away. So I uh, missed the entire first half because I was driving to the rink. And then when I got to the rink, I didn't have time to watch any of it because I was setting up for the game. Uh, I managed to check my phone a couple of times. I saw that Argentina scored. I said, excellent. And with like three minutes left in the game, uh, the hockey game, that is, I uh, just casually glanced down at my phone and noticed that somehow the game that I said, oh, two nothing, no problem, uh, was suddenly two to two in the 89th minute. Uh, hockey game ends. We go to the locker room and my son is the slowest dresser on his team. It's not even close. And my daughter is not particularly fast either, but I didn't turn around and she was completely undressed, the bag on her shoulder, ready to go. And I said, my God, we might be able to catch the second half of added time. So I said, B, do you want to find a bar near here and watch the second half of added time? She said, I do. So we raced over and I was able to see the entire second half of added time, which included uh, stunningly Lionel Messi, of course, scoring the game winner. Uh And then, uh, well, even more stunningly, uh, penalty and, of course, Kylian Mbappe uh, wrapping up a hat trick, uh, burying a penalty, and then into the penalty shootouts. It was really, really cool. Um, I'm very disappointed I missed seeing the second goal live, the uh, second Argentina goal. Uh, That was a great team goal, yeah. That, that is my favorite goal in soccer, where you get up on your feet yeah. really quietly because mm-hmm. you don't want to jinx it, but you stand up when the ball's at the midway line yeah. because you see the pattern that is developing. And you get more and more tense, and as that final pass is made, you know you explode. I, I'm very disappointed I missed that, but uh, it was very cool. There was a uh, fairly large contingency of... Uh, people watching the game at this uh, bar we stopped into, which uh, is kind of a sketchy South Coast, Massachusetts, uh, uh, maybe like a somewhat right-wing area for the state of Massachusetts, not not your soccer faithful per se. Large group at the bar, everybody rooting for Argentina, very excited. And then as soon as the game ended, Every single team he <laughs> Yeah, and not only that, it got tuned to the Jets and Lions. Yeah, there you go. Who are maybe the two most pathetic franchises in NFL history. Yeah. Now that the Patriots have turned into something uh, and the Saints have won a bowl. Um, so that was, it was a very funny experience for me. I, I'm, I was horribly disappointed I didn't get to see the actual game, but the fact that I was able to soak it in was nice. And I, I was rooting for... You know, despite his 
you know, connections with the <laughs> crooked Saudi Arabian regime and the crooked Qatari regime. Uh, I like Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. I, I like Argentina. That was a, a really fitting way for that World Cup to end. You can't forget uh, Emmy Martinez, former Sheffield Wednesday player, uh, hoisting the o- World Cup. 11 games. And, and, the, uh, and the Golden Glove trophy. He certainly hoisted that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. I, I'm pretty sure he learned that routine in Yorkshire. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, very funny. There was, uh, you know, it's been funny watching him because, you know, we. He was I remember very, him as a he third. A mis- he was he literally a, mis- a third string. He had a mistake in him, yeah. When yeah, he was, he was at a third string. He was very young, to be fair. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, he good, good for him. Good for that. Uh, Scaloni's reaction after the game was just yeah. so cool. Like, you could see what that meant to go from the everybody's going nuts and celebrating. He's standing there thinking about it. Then he sits down for a while. Yeah. Then he stands up. Then he weeps. <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, I love, uh, I love international soccer. It very well might be my favorite sporting event um, because despite all of the horribleness of FIFA and corruption and all the awfulness that occurs, uh, the the feelings that it it brings about in people. I mean, this is why sports uh, watching works, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, but it's 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 something else. Watching international soccer yeah. is, you know, whether you're watching the Moroccans dance with their mothers, mm-hmm. or you know, the Saudi Arabians celebrate after beating Argentina, or when, you know, the way Canada celebrated when yeah. they're getting pumped, but they scored their first ever World Cup goal, like all the way up to Argentina winning it, or you know, when Belgium came in third place in the last cup, it's. Mm-hmm. It means so much to so many people. It's, you know, frankly, it's pretty powerful. I'll just leave with two notes. Uh, first one, I don't know why I'm saying this, because if you're listening to the show, you probably already listened to this, but definitely listen to the uh, Andres Contour call of the oh, winning God. goal. You know, a long-time Univision commentator at Telemundo now, I think. Uh, Argentinian-American. Argentinian-American, the voice of, you know, Spanish language football in the States forever. Um just absolutely losing his shit. Uh, oh, we openly weeping next to yeah. whoever the guy and just next to him was uh, Gonzalo Montiel, who scored the the winner, obviously uh, the winning penalty. Just to take a penalty that cool, like in your first World Cup after coming on as like a sub in the final, <laughs> just absolute ice water in your veins. It was just really, really impressive to me. Oh, so nice. I, I still, the, the penalty of that, messy, messy rolling the ball. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was just otherworldly. Yeah, no, it was great, it can go It can go bad very uh Yeah, but it wasn't going to for Leo Messi. Man. Yeah. That's, uh, no, it was, I don't ever want another Winter World Cup because <laughs> no. it's going to mean some serious corruption has occurred. And I, I you know, there's a lot that, did bother me and continues to bother me about FIFA and everything they do. But, you know, as you said, Jeff, that's why sports washing works because in the end we, we, we see that and, and you realize, you know, I know you're a baseball guy. I, yeah. I love baseball. I'm obviously a hockey guy, but man, it's tough to, it's tough to beat the world sport for, 
you know, entertainment, excitement, and joy, and a lot of heartache, as we all know. A little bit of heartache for me this week, and I know uh, several other members of the the New York Owls and the Owls Americas community. Uh, Cherry Hall passed away after a, a brief battle, I believe, with pancreatic cancer. The lead singer of the Specials. Mm-hmm. Two-tone records, Coventry in the late 70s and, and early 80s pretty much dominated the, the English music scene, incredibly influential uh, going forward from there as well. And, you know, I, I was actually pretty late coming to the specials. I didn't re- actually didn't really get into them. Uh, somebody noted in WhatsApp that they weren't going to be able to go to a concert because of the pandemic. It was like March or April. And I'm like, oh, I've been meaning to like listen to the specials and, and, and Madness and, and Selector and all those bands they've been recommending and everyone's talked about them for years so i started listening to the, the specials a lot early on in like march april 2020 and it just really kind of like got me through what was kind of a really weird period in human history <laughs> uh basically that and rage against the machine which uh pushed a different button that i needed pushed but yes <laughs> <laughs> um and i've just i've been listening to the music really only for the last couple of years i was just kind of hoping like because they still tore a little bit they had a new album come out i was hoping you know i could I can maybe catch them at, at some point. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if they would have come to Salt Lake City in all honesty. I don't know if that's the, the big stop in the American tour. But the musical Live Forever, right? The, those two albums are completely unimpeachable, really, from from front to back. And just, uh, I will probably be throwing it on when I do some writing after we wrap up here. And we should wrap up here because this has been, uh, this has not been a half hour, a half hour two man show. But this it's has Jeff, been. it's it's been a it's been a good holiday. Yeah, yeah. It's been a good holiday podcast. We'll make up. It's been it's been a couple a couple half hour shows to make up little, for the little rambling for the weeks we missed. But you have right. been listening to episode one ninety nine B of the Alice Americas. <laughs> You'll find us on the internet, alicemericas.com. Email the show at alicemericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at alicemericas. Good day for the for the socials. My phone was blowing up all day because we got retweeted by the club account. So a lot of engagement, a lot of new followers. Welcome aboard. Our podcast intro and bumpers are fellow ones, as Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls of Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter, at New England Owls. Justin, do you have a Wednesday-related new year's resolution for 2023 oh wow um no man i'm gonna continue to watch all the games i can and and deal with the ups and downs and try to remain as steady as i can over the course of a (laughs) a 46 game season um but you know i i do want to say you know happy holidays whatever you celebrate uh happy christmas hanukkah you know, whatever your your beliefs are, this is a, you know, we just passed uh, Yule and the uh, winter solstice. This is a, it's a cold and dark time of year, but it's it's time of year where everything is, every day is getting a little bit brighter. And that's something to, to really remember. So those of you who are, who are down on Darren Moore and, and down on this club, uh, every day is a little bit sunnier from here on out. Yeah. So enjoy. Third at Christmas. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Nostro. <laughs> and my resolution is uh, to quote the specials, enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink, even though the away jersey is yellow this year. And we'll see you back here next week. Uh-huh.
to enjoy myself first. It's good to be wise.